0: Hello, Marina. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to talk to you. I uh, We were just chatting a little bit before we started, but very little, because I don't like to get to know people off the show. I like to get to know people on the show if I can. But I did get a little context, because your recommendation from our friend Sophia.
1: Yes, she, yes, she, she was my roommate in school.
0: I love that. We have to give some credit where credit's due. Uh, she's definitely why you're here, but I'm so excited that you're here because you and I have the same piece of paper that says we graduated from the School of Drama, School of the Arts, and Directing. But
1: parentheses, Directing. Parentheses, <laughs>
0: Directing. We're that parenthetical, baby. And it's <laughs> uh, it's uh, we're nine years apart in that program, mm-hmm. I think, because you're class of 2022, and I'm yeah. 2013. So I was the last directing student of Gerald Friedman and you're, you're in the Scott Ziegler era. Yeah. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Yeah. Very different, but we don't know each other at all. We've never even spoken before today, other than some email. Um, so that's the context of what we're starting in with everybody. So I'll ask you my first question, which is a fun one, uh, given that I already know the answer, but we're going to talk about it. Where are you from? dear? I'm from, uh, São
1: Paulo, Brazil.
0: And when did you come to the States? At what point?
1: Seven years ago. Um, so 2016.
0: Did you come exclusively to go to school of the arts?
1: No. So I, I was actually uh, enrolled in university here in Brazil. I'm currently in Brazil. So I'll refer to here. As in yeah. Brazil. Um, I was studying social sciences here. And I always loved theater. I did some programs previously in Brazil, theater related, but not directing. When you um, say social it,
0: sciences, I think I, my brain thinks it knows what that means, but I'm not sure yeah, it does. What What did that it, mean for you at the time?
1: It's not the same. It's not the same name in in, in the US. So it's social sciences. It's uh, it, um, it it's usually about politics, sociology anthropology and methods of research so those three subjects those four subjects are within the social science realm so all of those are included got it yeah
0: got it that's kind of like yeah continue
1: yeah yeah i was doing that and then decided to took a gap year and go to new york to study theater uh there and ended up staying and then two years after that went to North Carolina because I realized I wanted to study directing.
0: Let's back up a little bit because I'm going to, I'm like, I'm a little bit dog with a bone and talking to you about directing after I left it's and disgusting. Scott and how everything's different and all that stuff. I'm going to get to that, but I don't want to rush it. So let me step back a little bit here. You're growing up in Brazil. I what can- is the dynamic like at home, family? What are As- we doing to make money? Uh for the family, or we got siblings, some of those questions.
1: Yeah, I have um we are four in total, two brothers and one sister. Okay. I'm the youngest, the casula Baby. in Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Um, and uh I mean, I think it was a good dynamic. My parents are still together. Um my, I grew up primarily with one of my brothers because the other two are from another marriage, so they're way older than me. Okay. Um, yeah. So good. It, 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 they both, my parents were supportive of me pursuing theater. My mom, way more than my dad. He wanted me to continue with the social science setting, but
0: what does dad do?
1: Ultimately, so he actually also graduated in the social science program. Oh there went, you go. I but, was gonna say yeah, but, yeah, but he but he he had a, a wild trajectory. He started right after high school studying um business and then um, decided to stop right before graduating and then moved to Europe and was there for decades. Uh, lived on a boat, had a had the first a uh, vegetarian restaurant in Brazil, like started the first vegetarian restaurant in Brazil, and a yoga school in Brazil. um wow. And then, and then when he was in for his forties, that's when he did social social sciences, um, and it. then started a, a construction company. <laughs> <Yes>. Wow. <laughs> that's what he does now. Yes.
0: What is is that's what he still does. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it seems like time-wise, and I may be calculating wrong, but like that construction company sounds like that's been going on for a very long time.
1: Yeah, it, I think, yeah. That's like the that one that kind of
0: stuck of all the different shit that he kind of uh-huh. tried out.
1: Yeah, probably the thing that gave him some money to start a family, so. Right,
0: <laughs> yeah, know. and once you got that family, your uh, let's try something yeah. else out goes a little bit differently. Not, yeah. <laughs> if at all, if at all. Um that's cool. So what are the older siblings doing in your footsteps or, you know, what footsteps are you kind of following <laughs> and what are they interested in? Are they playing sports? Are they doing art stuff or.
1: So my, um, the brother that is just above me in age, Martin, he, uh, is, is studies uh, physics. Uh, wow. he's yeah. Smart he's fella. Pretty smart. But yeah, <laughs> he's in Switzerland right now getting his PhD. Um, were you good
0: at that kind of stuff when you were growing up? Were no. you good at like physics and chemistry and show that? Was,
1: I was in the arts. <laughs> so people the can arts do thing. both,
0: but I do like to ask just in I case someone. You know, what's weird to me is when you go to school of the arts, you meet some of those weirdos, which I am. I love those people. Like you get there. This is the thing that would always blow my mind is I was always very much performance based. You know, I kind mm-hmm. of moved around and, you know, there's some directing and acting and kind of did different stuff, but I also, I was kind of like lighting and stuff. But my thing was all very like verbal and kind of visual mm-hmm. and I like music and stuff like that. But like, I could never draw. I felt like if you could draw and you were a good performer, that was like unfair. Cause I was like, yeah. you can't have the extrovert and the introvert talent. One or the other. That's like, that's fair, yeah. And then I got to school the arts, and some of my best friends, who are some of my favorite actors, can like- we knew how to draw. Ca- yeah, they draw like beautiful cartoons or like their own comic books and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, man. Come on. <laughs> now you're hoarding. You're hoarding talent, and that's not fair. You're not allowed to be so good <laughs> at so many other things. Are you good at other stuff? Do you play instruments, or do you have other things you feel like you really- is your area other than directing is kind of a weird skill. It's more of a group of skills than like a single thing. Yeah,
1: it is weird. I mean, I do know how to draw. Sorry.
0: (laughs) I'm not, but you went directing. So were you acting before or have you been directing for a while? Okay. See, then you got the introvert skill set, drawing, theorizing, planning. That's all kind of in the same thing. Can you act?
1: No, no acting. I'm Good. very bad at it.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is so sad because you you have both on the paper, do you not?
1: Uh, doesn't yeah, it say yeah. acting,
0: directing? Um, mine says acting, directing.
1: No, mine doesn't because I'm from the different generation in which my program now is we're gonna totally about directing.
0: Yeah. Let's See? get into it. Okay, so we're caught up now. Uh, we're caught up now to you going to New York. And what was the draw to go to New York as far as like, just specifically, did you go just like pack a bag or did you say you went to like a program or something?
1: I did go to a program. That's the part of my, of my story that I kind of like don't love talking about it because I hated the program, but I was there because that's where immigrants, the theater immigrants go to in the, in, in the U S they go to a couple of schools that accept you very easily
0: um mm. so I,
1: yeah uh and they give you a visa which right. is the main
0: thing yeah you, you gotta need get to the stay. ticket
1: yeah so i went to Strasbourg uh institute i was there for two years i also did some other stuff especially with theater of the oppressed in new york they have a really big group there but my visa was related to Strasbourg, so i, I was there for two years in that
0: Let me try to help get some helpful information while also like kind of not digging too deep or making anyone sound like a jerk here. While you were there, what about that program or that project or whatever? It got you there to New York. So that's a plus. We like that. But you got into it. You said you didn't care for it without trying to be as objective as possible. Why didn't it work for you? Maybe people someone was an asshole or something, whatever. We can leave that aside. But like training-wise, or the reason you went to learn, what did why did that not click? And then maybe, maybe that's part of the conversation of why you chose to go in other directions for your education. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um I would say that I mean, in general, it felt like one of the schools in New York that are simply able to exist because they accept a ton of immigrants
0: volume you know what i mean
1: yeah volume and so it, it's so it doesn't it, this, is, this is, it never felt like there was a lot of rigor and training and substance holding the school you know what well, was holding the school and to, maintaining school was their capacity to give immigrants visas, which is good. But if you're there to study it to learn and to practice, then it's just not, you know, it sounds um, like American exciting. public school.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it does. No, it really does yeah. because American public school only exists the way that it does on the backs of the fact that there's so many kids to draw taxes from, which pays for the schools, and like because it's so populated, the the money is there. And what you end up with are these classrooms where there's like 40 kids to one teacher, and you're you're not really learning. They're up there giving a speech, and then the class is over in 40 minutes, and you're on to the next. And it's like, what's the point of any of this? It really seems like it just exists to. Push us in, push us out. You're not yeah, worried about if the, we learn.
1: And the thing is, and, and you know, I say this knowing that it works for a lot of people. Like a lot of people really, I, I have a lot of friends. That's so kind of what I'm looking most, for, yeah. Yeah, most most of them who is Strasbourg, as a, a lot of the studios in New York, is also part of the NYU training. So mm-hmm. I have a really, really close friend from Brazil who went through Strasbourg, but in the NYU program and she, you know, really loves it. So I know so many people who really appreciated the training. So I think all this knowing that hey, it works for people. But mm-hmm. I think for me, what I noticed with time was that it was just felt a little too indulging. You know, it it, it didn't like it, in in the acting training, it felt like uh it was training actors to center in themselves too much and not um you know open up to what was happening in the scene and, you know, mm. the circumstances and whatever. So I, with time, I started feeling a little tired of that and, but couldn't leave because I had to stay for my visa. You know what I mean? So it's always yes. that like, yes.
0: So then how do you end up in North Carolina? And, and what I'm very interested in is, is someone in New York already involved in other training programs. And I know you've not grown up in America, but a lot of American students, students at the same age you must have been. How old are you right now? Do you mind if I ask? 25. Right. So other American students at that same age are like pushing to get in a cool program in New York associated with NYU. Even if they don't know what that means, that's like a thing they're trying to get to. You're at it. Doesn't work for you. You make a choice to go to North Carolina, which in America, if people don't know about that school or like, what the fuck, what are you doing? It's Why true. would you leave it's New true. York City, period, to go there? So, what do you hear about this school? What draws you to it? What is the, what what is that process? And what what do you know about this place before you end up there?
1: Um, so, I knew b- before you know, even knowing that I've been doing research on U.S.S.A. I first I knew that I wanted to go to college, that that was, okay. I wanted a college degree, you know, in my life. I, sure. I knew that because I always loved school. I you know, years from now, I think I'm going to want to get a master. So I, I, I knew I wanted to get that done. Um, so I knew that I knew that I wanted to do directing. at the I realized that, Oh, that's, that's where I'm going with theater. So then I started doing research on directing schools, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. directing programs. Um, there aren't a lot in the US, let alone in Brazil. Right. So it's still very few for undergrads. So you you know, UNCSA was in that pool of mm-hmm. the, the few schools that offer that. Um so then I applied to probably most of them. Um and the two ones that I, you know, in the pool in the school that I was accepted and and the ones that I was most excited at. For were UNCSA and UCLA, what so made I you excited
0: teaching. about NCSA, based on what you knew at the time?
1: Um, I went to the accepted students' weekend. I, I, I think I felt at UNCSA what I didn't feel in Strasbourg, which was that was a real place, <laughs> like where people went to actually practice something and not just to be. In Winston Salem, you know what I mean, as they were in New York. Just though there are in-
0: so many reasons to be in Winston be Salem in Winston-Salem and Salem. to get a ticket to live in the Triad. I mean, my God, that's
1: a yeah, and that's I think I felt from all the teachers from from all the students that mm. you know. Of course, people were being ruined, like they're good and bad and all of that. But they were there for a reason. You know, they chose mm. that school. It was nothing beyond the program because right. it was Winston-Salem. You because know?
0: there's no other reason to be there. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's horrible. We don't have to. Winston- no, it's Salem, not. It's great. <laughs> no, it's not. I do a podcast, and I've done one for almost 10 years, that is about the school and about Winston-Salem. So if either of those entities have shit to say to me, come on, okay? I'm selling your <laughs> you're, I'm selling your city and your town every week. So I don't even, don't even, all right? But let's be honest. It ain't the fucking yeah. Paris of North Carolina. We're not going there for the cuisine or the culture. Yeah. It's like, it's a regular it city. Like so many regular, lovely cities in America.
1: Yeah, and it was hard. I, I remember um, when I arrived for, you know, when I had already decided to commit to the school and when I went there for my, First year, I was stagged Like I was like miserable because it was just quiet, far away. Yeah, it was the first time that I felt like culture shock because in New York there are so many immigrants mm-hmm. that you kind of don't feel mm-hmm. it.
0: You blend into was, the, the you tapestry. Blend in.
1: Yeah, but in Winsome Salem, I felt it hard, and I was the only international student in the drama school. Not even mm. in my program in the entire drama school. So. Yeah. yeah, so it was tough, but but I definitely loved the program. You know, I don't think I would have a better education anywhere else. At least what it was for me, a good education, you know, what it worked for me.
0: So let's talk about the program then, and you're going to have to kind of be the... Um... You're going to have to bear the brunt of my ignorance because I don't know the answer to these questions as I so often do when I talk to people that go to school is the idea is that we have a common language and stuff. But the program that I graduate, and I'm, I'll give a little context. So I don't want to jump ahead too hard here for anyone who might be listening because you're a little bit younger than I am. I will go so far as to say 10 years. And I know there are people listening to this show that are closer to my age, but a lot of people are going to be listening to this episode because they're your age. And, so I'll give that specific context, and we can kind of go back and forth on this, because you don't really, I would imagine, know that much about what it was like to be at school when I was there. Only so much, right?
1: Yeah, very little.
0: And vice versa. I don't know shit about what it was like. I met Scott once in LA. That's it. So I I've, I've never <laughs> even got a chance to go to the school. I'm going to be there later this month for the homecoming thing. But um, I never got a chance to, haven't had a chance to visit. And of course, with COVID happening in the middle of the time that you're there, which we'll also talk about. It you know it limits the amount of engagement, but let's talk about how it's structured a little bit because you apply to the school knowing it's a directing program. At what point did they switch to uh, a full directing program? Because what I came from, I was the last graduate of the program that Gerald Friedman ran for like twenty two years, so. The way it worked for a really long time. And if you meet a directing student of which he started the directing program, there wasn't one before that. It was all actors. So he came up with what his version of a directing program was. And unless they graduated really recently, if you meet a drama director from NCSA, of which there are plenty over decades, we all learn the same shit from the same guy. So then that changed because it had to. I was the last one to get that training. When Gerald created that program, his idea was, and I don't want to misquote, so I'll do my best here because I'm not him, but the idea was to build on the acting training. And the idea was that uh, in his mind, he was working with a very old model. To be a great director, you really do have to understand acting in a really fundamental way. Like you need to get it. You need to understand what they're doing or who are you the fuck to tell them what to do. I really resonate with that everywhere. I don't like the idea of supervisors who have never done the work they're supervising. I don't think it's a bad idea. So his program was only a two-year program. and was kind of genius because it really was a graduate program. Gerald's directing program was a master's degree. The only thing is you don't get a master's degree when you graduate, but you get a master's degree while you're getting your bachelor's degree. And when you leave, your paper may say one thing, but you got double school. And I loved that. I had a weird experience because listeners of this show know I started in DMP. I was originally a lighting designer. Mm -hmm. I spent a year in town getting in-state tuition so I could lower my cost. Fell in mm-hmm. love with the drama school, go listen to past episodes and hear the full story of I end up in drama and directing. But I did my whole first year in DMP. I did my whole second year as an actor, knowing I would be a director, which is like not a fucking thing because he didn't hide, he didn't, he didn't allow people into the program as first years knowing they were going to be a director. You don't get to decide that yet. That happens yeah. in between second and third year. Definitely. There would be sometimes international but definitely transfer students in that third year. And then for the last two years of your four year program as an acting ensemble, you'd have these like directors that transferred in and they would come get a two year degree that would count as another bachelor's degree from them after they had already gone somewhere else. So I I was kind of a weird hybrid. No one had ever come in as a director as a second year. That wasn't a thing. It was so weird. Because the first and second year are so acting focused. So it's hard for me to wrap my brain around being a director from day one and what your program was like as far as how much are you in acting class, singing, dancing, whatever. Are you taking any of that versus how much are you taking versus the actors? And then if you're not, what what is that other time filled with? Pardon me. What is that other time filled with as a director? What classes are you taking in the beginning?
1: Well, I do think that you know, it's not, it, at least from, from what I hear, it, it, it my program wasn't that different from yours in terms of mind involvement in the acting classes because we okay, did great. have to, yeah. And I agree, that made all the difference for me. Um Yeah, totally, totally. Like for, for instance, our first year, um, I think we had one or two directing classes. Everything else was with the actors. So we just had... Two more classes than the actors, you know? Did you have them the in entire- place of
0: something? Like they had an extra singing and you took that? I mean, I can't imagine you guys had literally had more classes than they do.
1: We did. We did. We totally wow. did. We were we were in rehearsals since first year. And, you know, actors are only in rehearsals starting third year. At least that's how it works now. So in the so-
0: evenings, let me get this straight. In the evenings, when you're a first year student, your acting class is done and they go off and work on their scenes for class.
1: Yeah. And yeah. you're
0: going to rehearsal starting first year. In what capacity? Yeah. What are you doing there? And We're in rehearsals? How many ADs assistants. does each production have?
1: Depends. Can have up to... we. I had one that it was me and two that it was me and someone else. So either one or two.
0: Never more Usually than two. One,
1: cause, no, because it's only two directors per year. So...
0: Oh, is that a rule across the board?
1: Yeah. I didn't know this was different. Yeah. they only do, they they used to do one or two and now I think they're trying to do two so they have a friend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine doing it alone. I would not sign up for that.
1: Yeah. If I didn't have a, if I I didn't have a peer,
0: did you have a fellow directing student?
1: I did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank Christ. (laughs) Oh my God. No, there were four of us. I wanted more, Um, but I understood. I think at most, there were two different years in the time Gerald did it where he had five and those were late, 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 late. And he was like, no Mm -hmm. more. That can't do five. Mm -hmm. It's too many. Not because of, it's great to have them on as ADs all year, but when they have their projects at the end of the year and there's like five in each class, now there's 10 directing projects to both produce and go to. It's too much. Um, That
1: was the same thinking, I think. I
0: would think, I would personally, if I was doing it, I think three is the soft spot. I think that's the sweet little zone to be in because first of all, you need the, I think you need the staff. So when it, when, when I was there, obviously it was only third and fourth years and they each had different titles. So only the fourth years could be assistant directors. You had to be a senior then, in the directing program to be an AD. And the AD wow, that's is different. Is the right hand of the director taking notes. They're the AD. The third years would get assigned underneath the AD as a directing intern. So Same. each show would have a director, a fourth year AD, and a third year directing intern. And the directing mm-hmm. intern, shut the fuck up. That's your job.
1: Be quiet.
0: Stay out of the way. Watch, take notes, do anything that's asked of you. You're like a PA on a film set. Like, Mm-hmm. Don't don't start having ideas and contributions. That's not why you're there. <laughs> you're lucky if, as a fourth year AD, you can get the ear of the director and get some thoughts in and contribute and collaborate. And that fully just depends on the director because you might have a guest director who's like not interested in your thoughts. Know what I'm doing? Take the notes. Shush. Yeah, I think
1: that's still similar. Those too, people. I think. Yeah.
0: I am so grateful for. I don't know about you. I'm sure you assisted a lot of people in four fucking years of being a director's assistant cuz god that's a long time to do that. Good training. But did you yeah, prefer yeah. people who let you collaborate or you like to just watch and learn?
1: Um, I appreciated both. I mean, I cuz I actually didn't have that many AD AD assignments cuz I but that's the other thing that is was new. <laughs> so there was this and i think it's over now but um there was this program called um studio for creative practice hmm. and it was did you did you ever meet molly maxner yeah yeah okay yeah so yeah, yeah for sure
0: <laughs> She okay, was in so, the directing program just a few years ahead of me. So we yeah, overlapped, yeah. not at the same time, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, I know Molly for sure.
1: So Molly, she's not at UNCC anymore, but she was there. It, it felt like she graduated with, with me, with my class. Cause she left when we left, but mm. just, you know, she was there teaching, obviously, but right. just in our hearts. Um, so she started this program called Studio for Creative Practice, which was a space for students from from all different schools to um, get together and collaborate. Mm-hmm. So you could do that instead of and you know the hours were evening hours, so you could do that instead of being a rehearsal if you wanted to. And I did it for two consecutive years. So I did that for my third and fourth year. So I really only deed for my. First and second. And what are you doing in that were, space? Oh that's complicated. I can hard to explain. Like, <laughs> um, what was it? Let me start
0: with this. How was it pitched to you? And why did you choose it over being in rehearsals?
1: Oh, uh, I Molly was my big mentor in school. Um sure. brilliantly. Yeah. And I'm yes, yeah, brilliant. And I even now I just working in Massachusetts and I'm still very connected with her through what she's doing there so you know I started having classes with her my second year uh she really you know she's changed- teaching directing she was yeah teaching directing okay. um so she really changed my mind about how to approach directing and think about directing and she, you know it was interesting because she did have the training of Gerald Friedman so I get I got to hear a little bit about that Yeah, no, you learned from one of the kids, for sure. Yeah, which was cool. Um, Ashley Jansen
0: is kind of that for me. I don't know if you ever got a chance to meet her.
1: No, but I heard. I heard of her.
0: Mm, If you ever get a chance.
1: Yeah, um, I heard good things. So, but yeah. So, and Molly is also, you know, she considers herself a maker. Um, She likes to make original pieces in collaboration with, Actors and other artists.
0: I am so, so sorry. I have to pause you really quick. I have like yeah, a delivery that I have to get.
1: I no will be right worries. back.
0: This is scheduled go for ahead. today. Really quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> no worries. You were saying about Molly Maxner and her approach to directing and how it was different and how you were doing the studio creative space. Did I get that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. Creative practice. Damn Damn it. It. Creative practice. Almost. Almost. Um, Go ahead. I don't remember exactly what I was saying, but... I, well, we were um, talking
0: about what drew you to do that instead of rehearsals for main stage yeah. productions and stuff.
1: Yeah. And I extend that it was her because she was my big mentor. And yeah, so I was having classes with her second year. Right. And then... Uh, right after, oh, right! Remember, she. I was saying that she also likes making. That that's how she also yeah. defines herself. Beyond directing, she considers herself a maker. And I, I, I like that as well. I also like to make and create. Uh, yeah, I use an, the
0: same language.
1: Yeah, which I think it's. Uh, I mean, I'm just not particular to my Brazilian culture, but here there's no differentiation between a maker and a director. So it's something that I never really like. I never really thought of myself as like, oh, I want to direct plays. You know what I mean? Right. In my in my upbringing with theater, I always was like, oh, I want to make make plays, like copy this, and that's what directors do. Right. Um, which is not exactly the case for you know all countries. I mean, in the US there's a particular no, but even in the US,
0: even in the US, the language gets murky as soon as you leave. The exact thing that you're talking about because the same problem exists here in different ways and i'll give you an example totally yeah when you leave school the arts and you go tell anyone unless you're talking to someone who works in the theater you go talk to anyone uh someone in film and television someone who works in a fucking bakery your grandma and you're like Oh, I went to college. And they're like, oh, cool. Where'd you go? Like, I went to North Carolina School of the Arts. They're like, that's great. What did you major in? Directing. Cool. What films did you make? You've already lost mm-hmm. them. Because you yeah. said director. And to them, that means film and television, period. Then you have to explain to them that majoring in directing theater is a job and True. a major. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh. And now you've wasted, you've gotten into semantics and you've lost them. Another thing that happens in my business, which is I work in reality TV. We are all producers. Everybody's a producer. You're field producer, associate producer, assistant producer, co-producer, executive producer, producer, producer. Everyone's a fucking producer. The one who does the budget for the movie is a line producer. They're not even called an accountant Mm -hmm. or something. Everybody's Mm -hmm. a fucking producer and that (laughs) word means maker means someone who makes things happen. We just all have different roles in producing the thing, but my job is directing. I'm a director. I direct television, but I don't say that on my resume anywhere because the words are so particular to each place, whether it's Brazil and theater or it's New York theater or it's LA film and television, like, You have to you have to put the words aside and get to what the fuck you're talking about.
1: Yeah, totally. And then I think, but I think what I see as more of a particularity in the US is
0: that
1: there is a name for making in the US, which is devising in theater. People Mm. devise theater. That's what the word that people are using
0: these days. I don't think I've heard that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I've been say out of the like, theater oh, I'm not, I'm, for a
0: long time. <laughs>
1: so so you know you it's it's pretty it's pretty pretty much there. Like people in in UNCSA, there's even a program, a class called devising. So people. It sounds use pretentious
0: word. as shit to me. Is that okay? Yeah, it's
1: just totally. Yeah, I think I think I don't relate to the word either. I yeah, think it's I little, don't like
0: devising because that sounds like I'm scheming or like. But <laughs> I don't. That's just. Ugh. I don't so, like yeah, like
1: So I could, it, you know, it, it, the word that is used to describe someone who, who creates a script collaboratively with other people and instead of bringing a script to a rehearsal room and rehearsing that, you know what I mean? Um, okay. so, so yeah, so Molly, I guess she, she. She understands herself, identifies. She also doesn't really like this word devising, but she she is more so of a divisor than a director in the sense that she would rather create a story than direct one that already exists in the paper. Um, you know what I think that, is so yeah.
0: interesting? And I want to get your take on this because you it's, you have grown up with Portuguese and you're very, very fluent in English. And I want to know what you think about this. Um... We have a habit in English that I don't see happen in other languages the same way. I grew up in a half like Spanish speaking household. My Spanish isn't amazing, but I'm 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 all right. And I have a lot of friends. Uh, I work with a lot of people uh, internationally for my job, so I talk to a lot of people yep. who speak different languages. We seem to do this thing in English, specifically in American English, specifically yeah. lately. Where instead of work to try to change what a word can mean, we abandon it and we come up with a new word and insist that that is what the fuck we mean and not this old thing.
1: And my,
0: I have the opposite impulse, Marina. I am like, let's just change what that word means for us. Yeah can't I just be a director who comes in co- collaboratively and wants to work with everyone to devise yeah, a no. thing and still be a director? Yeah. Do we have to come up with the new word?
1: Yeah. I always, I always say this to people. I'm like, cause it's even, it didn't funny for me. Um, like even, even small things. I always joke about it with like food, like you have cupcake, you have muffin, you have loaf, you have cake. And like in Brazil, we just have cake. Like it's just right. a word, you know, like the, the shape of something doesn't necessarily for us doesn't necessarily change what it is. Right. Um, So like, you know, the other day I was, this, this is a, it happens all the time. Like with my roommate in New York, there's this one time that I saw a mouse in a mice in, in the apartment as New Yorkers do. Sure. And I, I was in the bathroom sitting in the toilet and I just saw it like going underneath the, the, the door yeah. and start to scream. But for me, so in Portuguese, we use the word rato, which is rat, but we also use the word rato to describe all different types of rats. Like it can be a small one, a big one. We just use the word hatu.
0: Right. Almost like wrote so it for us.
1: I guess, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So so in my brain, you know, the direct translation that I did with to was a rat, because it's just similar in the sound of it, mm-hmm. instead of, of, of translating it to mice, you know, because it was a small, it was a, it was a mice, okay. but I just start to scream, a rat, sure. a rat, a rat. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Then my roommate comes out, I, 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 you know, out of the bathroom, talking to her, i saw a rat, no, 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 no. And she can't, she can't, like, join me in the search of the mice until I explain to her whether it was. A rat or a mouse? She's like wait 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 was it a rat or was it a mice and I'm like what do you mean like who I don't gives pick, a shit oh my, and you know so some moments like this that I that I realized this that the thing that you're expressing you know right. the the how precious certain words are semantics we call them semantics and it, you know it's it makes sense because the like the 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 what you have to do in a place like Brazil, or even like France, or other places in Europe, to uh, add a new word to a for, to a dictionary, it's tremendous work. You have to go There's through the ins- government and shit. You have to go through the government. It's a whole institution. In the US, you have urban dictionaries, so vocabulary wise, English has so many words, so many words. Because every time you need a new one, you can just make one.
0: Let me which ask is you interesting, about this, but
1: also it's both you know, helpful.
0: Okay. Well, here's the problem, Marina, is it could be everything we want it to be and not also be the problems if people could wrap their fucking heads around it the right way. Exactly. Because what you, what you want is specificity. I want to tell you that I have cupcakes and not muffins, and I don't want to explain to you that first it's cake and this is the shape it is. I want one word that tells you what I want you to know right away. Yeah, as a as efficiency. A, yeah, and as a comedian and an ADD person— Efficiency of language and finding new ways to do that is part of the fun of being alive. I don't want to take that away. What I get upset about, and then I start to sound like a crazy right wing fucking (laughs) Trumper, Joe Rogan, whatever the fuck you want to call me. And I'm not is that I don't want everyone's feelings to be so sensitive when it comes to a lack of understanding that you have That most people that have grown up in America speaking English, especially if they grew up into the 90s and the 2000s, they don't understand that it is going so much faster and at such a bigger volume than it ever has before. And everyone who doesn't speak English is not going to fucking jive with that because they're not used to it all moving so quickly or coming up with a new word every five seconds. They just call it fucking cake. We're, We're not even having that conversation. You've also got half the world... That's got their gender tied into their language. And in the last few years, it's like they want to have a new conversation about gender, which is great. And we should, but you gotta be a little emotionally patient for everybody and appreciate that this language in America right now is doing something different and weird and special that it doesn't normally do. Yeah. And we definitely. can't all get our feelings hurt when we don't when someone doesn't pick the right thing.
1: Yeah. And I think what I what I observe as a foreigner is that. Um, there's need to specify each word, especially when it comes to um identity issues right. um it it has to do with a uh, a want of which I think it's a beautiful want to use language in, to empathize
0: with people, yes,
1: you know, yes, so so That's it's, why we
0: have poetry,
1: yeah, yeah. So it's like it's this understanding of like, oh, I've had this word used to me before and I didn't like it. So I will pay attention to words that hit other people the wrong way and not do that. So it comes from a beautiful place of just wanting to, you know, create more empathy. But but I, what I observe is that that's not people that generate, you know, and I include myself in this generation. I don't think my generation and the generations younger than me are aware that that's the why. You know what I mean? I think it's just, you just grew up in it. So you're just seeing it as the way to do it, the way to be empathetic towards others. And not that, that's how we have grown up to understand how to do this. And you know how we have developed empathy for ourselves. It's not the only
0: social benefit. Of behaving that way. It is the purest. It is the most beautiful. To add empathy. To remove pain. To grease the wheels of getting through this difficult life for people. Man, I'm on board with all of those things. You could also. Condemn and judge other people's language. As a way to signal to your peers. That you're on the level. And that you're participating in the righteous crusade. Of improving the language of everyone who came before you. And I don't. No, if that's always something people are aware of. It's like, well, you know, that's why people might be critical of your assessment or your judgment, because we don't know what your intentions are. And it makes it easier to judge everyone's intentions and know what they are when you can sense that people are coming from a place of empathy. Like you can feel it. And when someone is yelling at you about using the wrong word, that doesn't feel like you're trying to increase empathy. Because if you were, mm-hmm. you'd have empathy for me, the person who made the mistake or said the thing that they're not aware is a problem or whatever. Why is your yeah. empathy only for the oppressed, but not for the people who are behind the fucking times, whether it's your grandma yeah. or me?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, and that's why, I, I mean, I, I really hope everyone has the chance to become a foreigner at some point in their life.
0: I love that sentiment.
1: Yeah, I I really believe in it because I think it teaches you so much, so much about how you really, you're just you and, you know, you're not, you're not your culture. You're not, you're just you. And yeah, I don't know. I really, I think think you can get a taste of it.
0: You can get a taste of it in the States low key. It's nothing like leaving it's nothing like leaving. I can't even begin to describe that cuz I've never spent extended time out of state, so I can't say it's the same thing by any means. But I'll say that I think where I got a little bit of that perspective without doing it was I grew up in a place like Texas. Then I went to New York with no Texas support really. Like kind of like you did from Brazil, which like man, Austin, Texas and New York City, it has a different culture. It's very 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 different. And if you can drop yourself into a place with no support where the culture is super different, that's it may not. not be the same as, you know, because not everyone gets an opportunity or a reason to be a foreigner. That's a, that's part of the problem of not getting that perspective as, and mm-hmm. American culture doesn't exactly advocate for go live in another country. They're like, you made it. You're already here, kid. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, but if you can try to jump, you know, and I mean the same thing in reverse You've been living in New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles—one of these hubs where everybody's kind of all got the group think—and you feel like all your friends and you are on the same page. Go live in Nebraska for a little while, just to do it, just to fucking do it. That's a hard sell on people. Why would they want to do that? <laughs> but but it is a good. It, that exposure is huge, and yeah, I think I think forgetting that so many people that we struggle to like agree with are not—they're not, they're not going anywhere. So it's like we got to figure something out.
1: Yeah, and it, going back to you know UNCSA and what it was like to to be there as a, as the only international right. student in in drama, I, I you know just to because I started saying that it was so painful. It yeah. eventually it became um, very interesting and pleasurable because it, be, it was fascinating. You know, yeah. beyond the, the the hardship of it and feeling so isolated and so misunderstood you start to when you when you get through that you you start to see people like oh, oh you're so different that's so cool like you know that's so amazing how different we are and that was
0: it becomes a celebration really
1: great yeah
0: I love that. What do you what do you feel like was were the cultural things that you experienced while you were at school. Maybe not even, maybe some of it was like American versus Brazilian culture, but maybe it was also just, you know, between the faculty and the students or the vibe on campus. I mean, you showed up, you showed up right after like me too, blew up the world appropriately. And I imagine that makes its way into a conversation on a campus that's training people for the industry that's currently on fire. And then you go from that to COVID. I mean, Scott's hella had a of the fucking rain to try to, sure. to try to captain the ship. Quite a few icebergs that had none of your, had nothing to do with you guys as far as that goes. What what was that like? I mean, those are two big things and just in general you're dealing with the change of hands from Carl who'd only been in charge for a few years.
1: Yeah. Um some of the different things there are a lot, but I think I don't know, I think in terms of the training, something that really stood out to me was intimacy choreography. That was have you heard of it? It's it's in film too, right? Oh,
0: Are yeah. you talking about the idea of them like planning sex scenes before they do it?
1: Yeah, and an intimacy uh, choreographer, like a right, 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 right. Someone treats it job. like a fight scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. So, so that is like completely foreign in Brazil. Like that does not right. exist. It's yeah. foreign so here. That, They've been doing
0: it for like very not very long.
1: Yeah. T- t- yeah, Exactly. So that was very. Different for me, but interesting because it's useful to learn the language. Um and then when I work with Brazilian actors, then I have to to break the language because then that language doesn't work then, you know. So right. Um yeah, so that was that was very different. Um
0: who would do that job?
1: I, intimacy choreographers? Yeah. Who would do it? You mean there, well if you
0: had a well, if you had a play on campus that had a sex scene in it, ah, someone it cool. would choreograph yeah. the intimacy, correct?
1: Yeah. There are they would either bring someone out from you know from outside, someone who is an intimacy choreographer. Or we also had a Which is voice interesting because
0: I feel like how much experience could you have in a job that didn't exist five years ago?
1: Yeah, there are programs to train people and at, at, cool. at least back then. Yeah, and there were still Oh, I'm sure they're um, still there. Yeah. And so we also had a voice teacher who maybe you had uh, lessons with as well. No, um, Robin.
0: Oh, oh, no? voice teacher, yeah, not singing teacher, yeah, Boy, Robin McNair. Yeah. I never had Robin, classes yeah. with her. She was hired after I graduated, but yeah, I okay. know who she is.
1: Yeah, so Robin, uh, she was also she had some experience with that. Cool. And then with time, with time, some directors, uh, like not some, but actually just I a know of one. Who was my my peer, the other director in my year, her name is Acadia. She also decided to get some training and she does that now as well as directing. So you know, time people decided to expand the training.
0: Sure. That. I love that.
1: Um yeah, so those are that was a difference for sure. Um that the 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 devising word that was very different for me. Um, Because I didn't understand why that was just needed. We needed a specification for that thing, which for me was just all about theater. Um, And again,
0: I'm not I'm going to walk away for unless you have anything else to add, but I'm going to walk away still kind of confused about the devising thing. I don't love the word and I'm not sure I get the difference.
1: yeah. It's, I but think, it seems you know, like you don't love it. So I don't know if
0: you're the person to explain it to me.
1: <laughs> it's just that I don't understand the need for the word because I wish we could all just like do all of it. But, but yeah, I don't think I will be the best person to explain it for you. As but best I, I, as best really I really enjoyed the devising classes. I really right. enjoyed the devising class. You know what I mean? Because they were about making and I, I like uh-huh. that. Um, but yeah. And I, I guess the, um, a thing that is very different between us in general and brazil in in the theater industry is um it has to do with this conversation about language which Mm -hmm. has which is about you know specialization something that is you know specialized and in the us in the industry um you have everyone have a job and no one no one crosses the line between their job and someone else's job. That's right. very, and I think it has also, to, it has to do with language has to, you know, you have your title and it has to do with efficiency because then if everyone knows, you know what they have to do, then you can get to the end result. Uh, quicker. we the other um, big
0: element there is worker organization. Like one of the yeah. reasons why titles are very specific in America is because despite some yeah. periods and different changes, we're a very pro-union country. And when yeah, you yeah, have true. workers organize and unionize, that that is where you get very specific job titles because Definitely.
1: That makes sense. You've, got,
0: you've got room to abuse your workers if they don't have a specific role. And then one day you're like, right. now you're going to also do this. And they're like, do but this. that's not why yeah. I signed up. Or that's not what I do or it's too much or whatever. And so getting to those details is a workers protection thing too. I never
1: thought of that. And that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, Yeah. I think, I think there's a, there's a great things about this way of thinking and working because, you know, I say it for myself, I went to school because I wanted to start a directing period, you know, like I wanted to, of course I needed to learn about acting, I needed to learn about all the design elements, but I wanted to be doing that. And at the end, like the school that I chose was the school that could give me that specific training. So I understand the value of that, but I think that just creates a difference between the theater industry in the US and the theater industry in Brazil, because here you just have less resources. So you don't have the the budget to, to hire. You know, a whole team of designers, or you know, so you just kind of like everyone just does everything. You know, you have more of the culture of ensemble work in which a theater company everyone does a little bit of everything. You know, so that's very different.
0: Um, and that's true yeah. on a small scale in America, because when you Usually, have your own independent production company, whether you're making a, a your own pilot or you're making a, a short film or a staging a play you're right. You're not going to also have a caterer and also have uh, an assistant camera. It's like cameraman's changing his own batteries today because that's, that's, you you know, we we just don't have the budget to hire each individual role, but that scales all the way up. You know, like I work on a TV show where I'm essentially writing and directing, which I like. If our show had more money, they'd separate the jobs. You You know what I mean? Like they'd pay two different people to really focus on that one thing because that's also what you get. The more you put resources into a single person for a single responsibility, typically, or at least the idea is the more you get back out of them in that one focus, you spread Mm -hmm. them too thin and they're going to go too thin on all the different things that they have to do. Um, And you've also got to, you're going to miss out on hiring specialists if you can't afford them because- you're going to have to hire someone who knows how to do costume and makeup and wig and all of that. Well, then you're, you're not going to get that really cool dude that, you know, who doesn't know costume and wig, but he's the greatest makeup artist you can possibly find. And you need that on this. You're not going to be able to afford him because now you got to hire all three people. You know what I mean? And it, it scales. Yeah. It's, it's about whether it's big or small. So if you're in Brazil and the productions are smaller and the budgets are smaller, then it just ends up being a all hands on deck situation. And as long as the yeah. culture is mostly cool with that, you can still get shit done. It's you know, it Definitely. still works.
1: And that's the thing I right? what I observe is that again, there's good and bad. And I think one of the good aspects of, you know, this way of working is that you kind of learn to be more collaborative. You just do, you know, yep. like you just do. Cause you have to. Um,
0: two, I got two, I think I have two more questions. Um, you took classes in DMP while you were in the directing program.
1: I did, but barely. Like I wish I really? had more. Yeah, yeah. I, Damn. I had lighting, which was awesome, and then costume. And that was it. I didn't have scenic, which felt horrible. That's yeah. heartbreaking Ridiculous. to
0: me. If I, know. I, if, I mean, girl, fuck costuming. I know how to sew and grew up with two seamstress grandmas. I'm really good at sewing. I love costuming and I like fashion. Fuck off, to me. You need to learn scenic design as a thing because that's everything. That's a yeah, drag. Well, I I, I, I'm sure you're going to find ways to supplement that education. And, yeah, you know, I will get there.
1: But it was yeah, but definitely felt like the one part of the program that it was just
0: cut short. Right. Um, and then I think the last thing that I want to ask is, cause this is going to be super different from my experience and it's changed a lot. So I'll give a little context and then I'll, I'll get your, your take on it. One of the things I'm very interested in is how people leave school. And I'm not talking about what interviews they get or, or where they go to work or get, get cast or I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what your mindset is in like March of your graduating year, right before you're about to get there. What the school's putting into your head, what you're putting into your head, what the world looks like, all that stuff's kind of swirling around. And then in like a year after that point, March of the following year, it's been a hug whirlwind hurricane of I moved here and I got this blah, 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 blah. And that story is usually pretty cool. But that first push is very interesting to me because I think it says a lot about what the education has done to your brain, what it's made you think like, um, and it's going to tell me a little bit too of how things are different. So, like when I was in school, and we talk about this often, Gerald's program was based on the model of the like '80s, early '90s repertory theater ensemble company. There used to be a bunch of them. They were all over in these regional theaters, and if you worked well, got a good skill set, you could audition for one. You'd probably get in if you were pretty good, and you could make a little career living in like Atlanta doing theater, and. This was a thing. This was a thing for a long time. And Gerald worked with a lot of these companies uh, in Ohio and at the Guthrie and different places. And he kind of built the program on setting these actors up for this. And the directors were kind of meant to follow the same path where you go to these regional theaters, you'll be an AD for a few years, then you'll get to start, you know, Milwaukee, whatever, you'll get to be a director and then maybe you're an autistic director later. Or if you get really lucky kid, you go to Broadway. That was kind of the path that was there. My senior year, Gerald had already had his stroke a couple years before. My senior year, Carl was our dean. So Gerald was still teaching us, but Carl had come from New York and he was, you know, early 40s, started his own theater company. So it felt like, hey, we got this new chance, this new link, because the old model's kind of dying out and Jerry never knew how to teach us anything else. We have a new chance to like get in at these new upstart theater companies in New York City and around the country and all this stuff. And that kind of happened. We had our first meeting to really talk about this. And the four of us, me and my three directing uh, peers, sat down with Carl and we went around in a circle. People have heard this podcast, know the story. We went around and we said, what do you want to do? How can I help you? Carl was blatant. He was just like, what can I do? I want to help you guys get started. Just tell me what you're trying to get done. First of all, I love that that Was even how he approached it. He just asked us what we wanted, and not a lot of places do that. So he asked us, and I went last. First, my friend Steven said he wanted to keep running the company that he had started and keep working on building companies. He was like, cool, I know a lot about that, I'll help you. My friend Wiley, was like, I want to work in Shakespeare. I don't know what that means, but I just want to do Shakespeare stuff. He's like, great. I know how to be with that too. I know lots of Shakespeare people. My friend Daniel was like, I just want a fucking job. I don't give a that. I need money. I can't walk out of here with this, you know, whatever debt and all this stuff. I need a job. And he was like, no problem. He hooked him up with a job in Sarasota. He worked there for years. Then it got to me. He said, what do you want to do? And I said, I've always wanted to, (laughs) but I want to work in television. And he was like, ugh. Sorry, man. I don't know. I wouldn't even know where to start helping you do that. (laughs) But good luck. And if there's ever any, I can write you a recommendation. And I was like, great. I figured it out. So it worked out fine. Gerald was in no state to help me do anything with the next part of my life. I was very grateful for everything I got for him while I was there. So, what was it like for you to be on your way out of this program you signed up with? It took four years to do. What did you want to do as far as, like, did you want to go back to Brazil and work in theater? Like, it sounds like you're doing that right now. Did you have ambitions about going to Broadway or doing any of these things? And then what was the school's idea for you? Are they like, we really want you to go to Broadway and be a director? Or are they like, what do you want to do, kid? Did they ask? What? Walk me through that a little bit, if you don't mind.
1: Oh, um, sure, yes. So what I wanted was to be <laughs> Tuesday hell yeah we're girl we're, thank you yeah. for your honesty
0: and not dicking around <laughs> right to the point yeah
1: so i so uh, maybe sophia talked to you about this but um slightly when you graduate yeah when you graduate as an international student you get uh opt visa which gives you one year to work in the us and show the immigration system you deserve to stay. That you matter That you matter that you are <laughs> extraordinary like they say, the immigration. Right. Um, so I had that one year, and I knew that I wanted after that one year to apply for another year for another visa, which would give me three years to stay.
0: So and this would be like a working I, artist visa, the second one,
1: yeah, exactly,
0: yeah,
1: got it. So so I knew a lot of people had gotten that visa because I lived in New York for two years before going to North Carolina. I knew what the application was about. I knew that it was insane, that I had to have, I don't know how many credits and how many articles written about me online. Right, of course. And yeah, so I was, I just, you know, decided to try my best and do all the things that I could in that one year and then see where I would be at the end of it, if I could apply or not because mm. lawyers at least the good ones when we take your case if they think you're actually going to get promise the visa. yeah otherwise they just take your money right so so I also talked to Carl who I love <laughs> he's very big mentor for me as well has been um, and he connected me with um, uh, Kelly Gillespie who is the casting director for Manhattan Theater Club Um, and I applied for the internship there and I, I got to be her intern for the summer. Cool. So Off to a good start. um, Definitely. Yeah. So right after school, I moved to New York and started that and did that for a couple of months. And then I also applied for the Kennedy Center fellowship. Right. And I did that, um, and I was lucky and yeah, lucky. Yeah, it's a good one. Because I was able to do the Kennedy Center fellowship while being in New York. Mm-hmm. So I was paid by the Kennedy Center, but I was only working in New York, um, which was good. for those good. who don't know,
0: normally you would be in DC.
1: In DC, yeah. Right. Um, which was good for me because of that visa, because right. I needed so many credits.
0: You needed to, apply to be double dipping, getting stuff to be, done.
1: Yeah, to show them that I was, there's so much going on for me.
0: Yeah, you can't so, just have one Joe Bass hookup for a year. You need to yeah, get cooking. Yeah, you need
1: to. Yeah, so if I was in D.C., I wouldn't be able to have that many credits because hmm. there's not that much happening in D.C. as there is in yeah. New York. So I so that happened to me because I That's was able great. to to reach out to a lot of companies and be like, hey, I have, a, like, someone's paying me to work for theater companies. Um, can I assist for you? Can I do you know, like so I I was able to assist uh a couple of productions, one for Atlantic, which was awesome, um uh, a couple of other ones for Cold Core, which is an uh on a smaller theater company in New York, but I really like their work. Um and then I managed to do a lot this year. I really yeah, did a lot because I hustle. needed to. Yeah. Um I I got the NYC women's. Grant, uh, one of the 18 out of more than a thousand applications. Amazing. Um, yeah, and I got a so lot of money from them, which is great.
0: Did you get, to, uh, I mean, update yeah. us on the journey then? So what's the status on the visa?
1: The visa, <laughs> I'm applying right now. I got a lawyer who believes in my case, so I should file my application
0: next week. If all goes well, you'll be in the States when?
1: So Any I Any way of asked, knowing? You have a window? Yeah, I mean, I you have you, you kind of have to ask for um, a date when you want to start. Right. So I asked for January because I it. think that's March because I want to be home for January and December. So starting right. earlier than that wouldn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I give you so, a little yeah. time to save up and get ready, prepare, lay your foundation. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, all of my... Um, Visa and MasterCard energy towards your success. I really, uh, I really hope that works out. I actually work, um, what, I, what the shows that I work on are all about immigrants and all about visas and K1s and K2s and artist visas and travel visas and tourist visas. And so I talk a lot about visas and, uh, I know firsthand how, uh, both frustrating, arduous, and, um, quiet. It can be, that's part of the problem is, uh, more than any, I'm trying to think of other things that are like this acting, maybe as a profession, there's so few things in life where you submit yourself so hard to a situation and you get fucking nothing back to make you feel better while you wait or get denied like if you don't if you don't get approved for a long time they don't tell you why if you don't get approved at all they don't tell you why usually the it gets delayed they don't tell you why you just sit in the dark waiting to figure out and when it's your future and your whole life seems to hinge upon well do I build a life in Brazil or do I build a life in America I don't want to build too hard and then leave one I mean it's that's tough that's truly tough yeah. and I I admire the shit out of anybody who who puts themselves through, I can't even begin to understand it. I've, I'm not, I've never been in any situation like that. The most I can relate. I applied for my dad to get disability, which in America is uh, up there with getting a visa. It's like really hard. It's so much paperwork. It's so much proving to them that you're worth their, their big green stamp. And most (laughs) people don't get it. And then you got to ask again. And then you sell lawyers and it's very similar in that, in all those ways. And, And they tell you nothing. They'll be like, "No, like why?" And be like, "Ah, sorry, we're busy. We're on to the next stop." Like, and it's you struggle to feel the humanity in it, in my experience. And I can only imagine that you've had a that you have similar feelings in that in that ballpark.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know, it's also it's a blessing and a curse because yes, yeah, because it's it sucks because you just want to stay in the country and work. Um, yeah. but but also it just gives you such a drive that I don't see in anyone that is not an immigrant. Yeah, or in very few people. Right, just because you just have to, you just have to. Yeah. There's no like, you know, there's no. It's either a oh, I don't need this job. You, you, you know, you need all of that, and of,
0: so. Yep. one of the things that I find that is not present in immigrants that is present in a lot of people I know who are naturalized American citizens. And I'm not judging people too hard, man. I get it. It's a different world. You can't expect different people world. Yeah. to be like you if they grow up in a different world. That's crazy. That's crazy. Exactly. Thinking. Yeah. However, one of the things America makes it really easy to do, especially when you're a kid is give up is quit. I mean, it's easy quit. It's okay. You're, you'll be okay. You'll eat, you'll live, You'll get by, it'll be all right. Just if it's too much. And ain't nothing wrong with being a victim in America, baby. That's our number one thing. We love saying (laughs) it was too hard. You made it too hard for us. What the fuck was I supposed to do? It was like impossible. Rather than, I have never heard an immigrant say that in my life, and I know a lot of them. My in-laws are all immigrants. I've never heard them be like, well, we really tried to do this thing and then it was too hard so we quit. (laughs) <laughs> that's not. No, you don't. And uh, I don't know if was, I was raised by military people or farmers or so. I got I got a little grittiness in my background. It's not built into me to give up. It's not built into my wife, the daughter of immigrants to give up. And and that's the last thing you are bleeding on the floor before you're giving up. Like you don't do it because it's uncomfortable. You give up because you're dying. <laughs> that's the only thing.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that. I've seen like, you know, uh, letting immigrants give up on their visas. And I'm talking, I'm talking particularly about immigrant uh, artists, you know, who mm.
0: it's gotta be a know, hard visa talk- to
1: get. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about artists, I'm not talking about refugees. Or, right. Of you course. Know, not of
0: talk-
1: course. Yeah. So, you know, I'm the only scenarios that I'm giving up that I've seen is just when people realize they actually don't want this, you know, and then it's just so hard. Just that's like, not giving up. This. That's not giving up. Yeah. And that's like, no, fuck this. I don't want to be in a country that, you know, where I need to prove so hard that I deserve to be here. And then people just like leave and they're happy.
0: And that's something that I think just in getting to know you in the short period, I can already tell you're like a very self-aware person and you can tell me I'm wrong, but you just seem like the kind of person where you're at least at this point in your life and maybe you've had a different story, but you seem really connected to what you want. You seem really connected to like knowing what's up with you. And I could totally see you getting your dream job And then being like, Oh, I hate this. Bye. I'm just not, I I thought it would be cool, but then I got here and I did it. And it's not what I thought it was going to be. And I have no weirdness about, Oh, I failed or I quit or I gave up or I blah. blah." No, I don't like this. I'm going to go do something that I like. You don't seem like someone who would waste your time.
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess that's a a quality that I think so.
0: Is that an accurate assessment or am I being too nice? I
1: think so. I think so. I think I, uh, for some reason I, I, know what I want to do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's a, that's a blessing, Marina. That is huge because I talk to people all the time, people from the school, you know, the same education we got or a version of it. And, and they're 30, 40, 50. And they're like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. I don't know. And that's okay too. I don't even have any judgment for that because there, it's not like all those people are unhappy people. But I think it does give you kind of a little bonus superpower when you're like, no, I want to do this. Yeah,
1: sometimes, sometimes I wonder, um, cause I'm often so sure about the things that I want to do that sometimes I wonder, like, am I like missing something? Like, am I like believing that I know what I want to do Because there's actually a blind spot somewhere and I'm like missing the, you know, like,
0: do you like, have I'm a person in your in life reverse? for that? Do you have like a best friend parent? Uh, uh, relationship, somebody who, who kind of can be there to be like, you're, you're almost always right, but girl, you're about to hit a brick wall. Like, is there someone who's there for you in that capacity or do you have to be that person for yourself?
1: Mm. I mean, I have a lot of people in general in my life, but I don't get this wrong. Yeah,
0: but that's a specific role to have. I I'll when answer for myself just for context. I don't really feel like I had that before my wife that I'm married to now. Like mm-hmm. my my wife uh, is she's a therapist also, so kind of makes it it's a little easier. A little you bit should. easier. I got a little cop out there. It's, she's very easy to talk to, and very. Uh, but and we've just had a conversation about this 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 morning. She was raised conservative Korean traditional culture and they're not exactly outspoken about their feelings or quick to like express themselves they think it's their responsibility to hold that shit in and not make it your problem so me as okay. a like loudmouth white dude we got to meet in the middle of like you got to tell me what's going on with you a little bit I also have to be patient with the fact that you're not as expressive as I am and that's just like how it's okay. going to be But I'm someone like you. I mean, I mean, we have a lot in common, not just the you know the education, but uh, I'm I'm the same way. I feel like I know what I want, and I'm almost so headstrong that I have to pull the brakes sometimes. Be like, wait, am I going too fast? Anyone going to stop me here? Notes? Do I get any notes? Yeah,
1: literally. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, when you put yourself the director, they don't want to give you notes because they think you know all the notes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like I sometimes I just jump ahead. Yeah, you know, and I like. They don't think through all the little things that I should be doing to get to the thing, and just go straight to the thing. And I'm like, wait. And then I get there, and I'm like, oh, fuck! Like there's so much missing, you know.
0: Can I give you so, a, a friendly piece of unsolicited advice as a someone slightly ahead of you range. in time only? Um, and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot, actually. Um, for those listening who want to hear more of this conversation, Graham Bolin and I, I think, got into a great. Uh, great conversation about this, which is it sounds like you're dealing with something that I've dealt with a lot in my life, which is I can be very left side of the brain effectively. If I'm an AD, I'll take the notes, I'll schedule, I'll check the call sheet, I'll be all, all on that shit, make sure everything's right angles, right? Then when you tap my shoulder and like, what do you think of this creatively? I'm like, I got to pull myself out of it and be like, uh, right side of the brain, uh, opinion that, uh, and, and I have to kind of jump back and forth. I don't have like a bipolar ability to just be on both those tracks. Now that I'm further along in my career, I spend a lot more time on the right side. I have mm-hmm. people that work for me at my job that are my AD in this world. They're called APs, associate producers, it's the same thing. My AD checks the call sheet make sure everyone's on time, you know, all that AD shit. And I don't, I don't practice those skills as much. I used to, and they're still there, but my dream's always been to not have to do that shit. I like the right side. I'm better at this. I want someone to Mm -hmm. handle this shit so that I can do this shit. And there is nothing wrong with accepting that first ADs to put a film term on it or assistant directors in the theater world are there for a reason. They're so you don't have to think of every single little step along the way. They do that. You're the one who's like, "Let's go here," and they're like, "Ma'am, have you thought about these things?" And you're like, "Fuck, mm-hmm. I didn't." But let's do that. Let's now that you brought them up. Let's address that before we get there. But the thing is, is that they don't think that far ahead. They mm-hmm. they're and they may be on their way to it if they're on the track to be what you're doing. But there's lots of like first ADs in the film world who don't want to direct films. They're first Fair ADs. Good. They want to make sure everyone's on time and the director has everything they need. That's what they're good at. Yeah. Find like stage these manager. people. Yes. Find your stage managers, find your ADs, find your people who are excited to help you do the shit that jumps you ahead eight steps because We must, those of us who do jump ahead to those ideas, we must keep doing that. That is our role. That's our job, is to jump ahead. It is everyone else's job. My wife, stage manager, AP, AD, whatever. It's their job to make sure we don't fall off the track. But we can't take the time or we'll never fucking get anywhere. We'll never take big progressive leaps in things. We'll never have big ideas. You have to balance between incrementalism and big progressive ideas. And that's true in politics and art and education and all of it. We need balance, but don't pull yourself back too much because you're worried about the steps along the way. Find other people that will notice that shit for you and point it out. And I'll tell you this, as someone who does their homework the night before a lot, or used to anyway, when I had homework, <laughs> those big leaps... Half the shit that's in between that you're like, oh, shit, should I have? Good thing you didn't. Didn't matter. Doesn't matter. You could do it without that. And you should try within reason to see what you can skip because you might find, Mm -hmm. why have we been doing this this whole time? It takes 20 minutes every time we do the thing and it does it help? You know? And the person who makes sure all that happens, the ADs, they never ask those questions. Usually they don't. Their job is to make sure it takes place. It's your job to be like, do we even need to do this anymore? You know, it's a balance. And, and don't hold yourself to the crucible of being great at both and managing both all the time. I say lean on your strengths, you know, keep working on the stuff you struggle with, but lean on your strengths and then find those people who compliment you. And that's perfect because you're raised in fucking Brazilian theater where everybody pitches in and everyone's ensemble <laughs> and that's Everyone perfect. To that yes. You've got the whole collaborative mindset built into you. So it's like, it makes sense for you to so lean on the shit you're fucking good at and then get everyone to help you out. And it feels great. It feels great when you turn over your shoulder to the stage manager, doesn't it? And you're and like, know. everything's on track and we're good. And they're like, we're good. And you're like, fuck yeah, let's keep making awesome yeah. stuff.
1: Um, best feeling in the world when you There's feel no better like feeling. a stage manager taking care of you.
0: Yeah, it's like they're not even touching you, and yet they're massaging your shoulders emotionally. You're like, it's all good. You know why? Because shit is on time, and the props got paid for, and they didn't lose the receipt. Like all that (laughs) shit. It was like, it's done. It's done, baby. It's done. And you're like, ugh, acts of service. That's what directors' our love language is: acts of service. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, totally agree.
0: Thank you so much for talking to me. I really, really enjoyed this. This was super fun.
1: Thank you. I really enjoyed it.
0: I really, really hope, and and I know that everyone listening, uh, all thirty six of them or whatever, is going to be mostly your just, class. It'll be, uh, it'll be um, universal prayers and and good thoughts and whatever it is you feel like is helpful for the for the visa. Because, and I talked to Sophia about this too. Um, you know, not going on and on, but I I just I want to make the point again. People like you should not have to work so hard to prove that you're valuable to our society. And on behalf of America, as someone who's never left and has been, my family's like, I'm like fucking eighth generation American. That's how American I am. It is atrocious that you're being asked to do that much to prove that you have that much value when you've already like completed a program that is prestigious in our country that was not easy to get into in the first place you've gotten into more than one program in the country one that was prestigious maybe one a little bit less so but either way they're fucking still places that said yes you have value come here learn from us you did well you graduated you left with the thing in hand and you got a, f- a fleet of artists both faculty and student otherwise both professional and school otherwise who were like if I could stamp it myself, it would be over. What are we talking about? Get her here now. The fact that that's not recognized is an American problem because we don't value arts and artists the way that we should. We don't fund it the way we should. We don't accept immigrants the way that we should. It is a broken system. And all I can say is if you get in, you beat it because it should have been easier. So I hope you beat it, girl. I'm sure you will.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. and. It's nice to to know that people will hear it and think about it, you know, and give me good thought because I think I need it.
0: <laughs> oh, we're all sending it. I promise you. I promise you because it's also like, I don't think people realize there are immigrants who come from other countries. They come to School of the Arts, they pickles with us, and then they get kicked the fuck out of the country for one reason or another because their job doesn't lead to a visa or doesn't get approved, blah, blah, blah. And they go home. And they want to be here yeah. making stuff with us and they're not. And I don't think people hear about it because unless you were like close friends with them, which it's also sometimes harder to build closer relationships because of the culture gap, mm-hmm. and different things happen or language barrier, whatever, especially in the music school, because they'll accept musicians <laughs> that barely speak English. They spend a whole yeah, four years.
1: Both of my friends in States, say were for music.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because they it's okay if your English isn't great. Can you play the yeah, violin? Right. That's what fucking matters. Like which makes sense, but it's like, it's harder to connect with those people. And then if they get kicked out of the country, you don't even realize that your buddy who you used to have morning history with or whatever is going through this crazy thing just because you didn't see him in New York. Like, and, and so I want to tell more of these stories. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing this story. And, and I appreciate you as an, an artist and a contributor, uh, a maker to what we're doing, (laughs) you know, in, in, in this business and I, I work in a very different version of the business than you do but I'm still I want the right people making stuff and by right people I mean people who give a shit about making good stuff and have their heart in the right place and I can tell in just an hour that that's you
1: thank you thank you so much I'm excited to hear the podcast
0: it's gonna be good thank you very much and um, we'll check in with you in uh, in a little while and see what you're up to see how it goes
1: sounds good bye bye